Day, ladies, gentlemen, those beyond the binary, poets and perverts, explorers of the endless abyss, hot shots and shot callers and orphans and ballers, brawlers, and welcome to Busted Mouth on Q4 Radio. <laughs> I don't even know anymore. Every single Monday from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. Chicago time. How are you? What's good? Did you uh, did you ride the Christmas train yet? The literal one? My personal definition of hell. What about uh, what about the holiday, man? You got the holiday shopping train on track yet? Ooh. Wordplay. Uh, buying things, you know, going out there and spending money on the loved ones, but also take advantage of sales for yourself and, you know, justifying it because it's your money, damn it. Be honest. Oh, God, I hate this time of year. Uh, I'm constantly cold and anxious and filled with the uh, totally awesome memories of my extended family and our joyous Cold War side-eye clapback. No one likes each other, but we'll pretend because family style of celebration, but I won't yuck your yum if you're into it. If you're into it, at least not this week, at least not right away. What else we got? Oh, happy Hanukkah to those of you uh, chosen folk who listen to the show, both of you. Uh, I'm feeling a little <laughs> ah, so aggressive out the box. I think it was because I, I, we, whatever. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. You're here. We're here. We're all here. I'm feeling a little less than awesome today, but uh, we're going to power through. And um, that's just what it is because no one's interested in how you feel. You entertain people for free, damn it. I'm just playing. Don't get all don't get all butthurt. Oh, and I apologize in advance if you have a butt or if you suffer from chronic butt pain or whatever else people get butthurt about. Please protest. I could use the press. Once you, uh, when, you know, once you survive your first national butthurt protest, man, the rest of the rest of them were kind of piece of cake. Woo! Shots fired. Well, why is everything starting off so negative? You're so negative. This is why no one likes you. Shut up! You're not my real family. I'm going to go in my room and listen to my music. This is Bust Mouth, 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. every single Monday. My name is J.W. Basillo, but you knew that already. Or maybe you didn't, but you know now. J.W. B as in boy. A.S. as in Sam. I.L.O. Shots! I don't care. I like spelling, and I like talking about... I, that's what I do. It's how, it's how I roll. I'm sorry if you're, uh, if you're offended by such things. But anyway, uh, we're here, and it's, uh, it's a Monday. We're excited uh, to be alive or something. I keep saying I'm trying to be on this, uh, speaking more positively in my life. It's, it, it hurts. It burns. It burns a little. It does. Um, 
All right. So here we are, Busted Mouth Q4 Radio. Find us on uh, on the TuneIn app, on Apple Radio, online at BustedMouth.com, the, uh, the Busted Mouth Facebook page, but uh, not the Busted Mouth Twitter page. And there, there is no Busted Mouth Twitter page because uh, Twitter is a toilet. So negative. Uh, if you're listening via podcast, take a quick second. Give us a five-star review. It, it doesn't take long. Just you know, throw throw some stars at it. You've done it. Uh, write something. If you're listening via Apple Podcasts, uh, write something if you're if you're feeling it. Like uh, Like Joe from Los Angeles who wrote in, and reviewed, said uh, he called the show smart and critical. Quote, J.W. Basillo knows what he's doing. He may act like he doesn't, but he does. Great perspective on the world. Thanks, Joe. Uh, that was nice. Of you. <laughs> that was nice. Of you. Do I act like I don't know what I'm doing or, is it, do, or do I just come off like I don't know what I'm doing? Either way, uh, I'll take it. I, I just never want to be uh, the guy who is so self-assured. I don't want to be like a Bill Maher because I know that I'm negative and condescending and I don't want to be like Bill Maher condescending where it's like, yeah, but you're, 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 you're kind of full of it. And we all we're all aware of it. And you're the louder you talk, the more you just prove that fact. Anyway, uh, here's another one from Everything is Taken. Great, great screen name. Everything is Taken. Uh title is makes my wednesday uh i listen while making dinner it's like having my favorite curmudgeon and his friends hanging out in my kitchen thanks everything is taken uh that's good i, I i'll be your favorite anything and curmudgeon is a, is, a, is a, a title that i used to i used to shun at every possible opportunity but the more i hear it attributed to my name uh which is frequently uh the more i'm i'm just starting to embrace it i don't know what curmudgeon i think uh I think um, uh, lovable cynic is what I'm hoping for. Is kind of what I'm shooting for. So maybe if I just crawl out of this cellar of curmudgeon into lovable cynic, uh, we'll be back in the game. Uh, yeah, but either way, either way, both these seem pretty much on the nose. Uh, thanks, friends, for writing them. Those those little things really do go a long way. Write a review, and I'll uh, I'll read it on the air. I, I promise. I'll eventually I will read all of them. I think there's there's like four. So woo! Oh God, where will I find the time? Uh, you know, I'll read it on the air. Write one in. That's fine. Unless it's mean. In in which case, I'll still read it on the air because I need to. And then uh, I'll just insult your family afterwards. Why the negativity? So negative. So close to the holidays. Bah humbug. Uh, Kevin D'Ambrosio will be in studio in just a little bit. But first, I just got to plug a couple of dates. December 11th. That's tomorrow night for those of you listening live. Uh, I'm going to be in Highwood, Illinois doing a show uh, with my buddy Joel Shamara and some other friends uh, at Cellar Gate. December 12th. That's Wednesday. Or, uh, or, or today, if you're listening via podcast launch, uh, I'll be the feature performer in one ear at the Heartland Cafe and Bar in Rogers Park. Uh, Interestingly enough, where I got my start as a performer in Chicago was pretty much uh, that venue and that show. Um, anyway, December 21st, it's a Friday. I'll be at Famous Hideout Inn doing the great funny ha-ha show, telling some jokes, uh, making fun of Christmas, and generally alienating the room, as I am wont to do. And finally, January 14th, I'll be at the Steppenwolf Theater opening for uh, Diana and the Dishes. Also, Bethany Thomas is on that bill because I need more reasons to feel inadequate. <laughs> What a good lineup. My God, I just keep getting included in things, and I feel very fortunate to do so. Uh, and uh, you know what else I'm fortunate for? What? Fortu- I'm fortunate for? Come on, man. Look, if you're going to try segues, put in the effort. Make the effort. Use your words. Read a book one time. Anyway, this is Post Animal. Busted Mouth. I'm J.W. Basillo. Uh, you knew that. I've said that four times already, but we're, we're here and we're here to party. I've got my guests in store. Uh, storyteller, actor, uh, educator extraordinaire. Uh, Kevin, Kevin, will you pronounce your last name for me? 
D'Ambrosio. D'Ambrosio. See, I didn't know how full, I didn't know how deep down the Dago train we yeah. were going to go. If it was D'Ambrosio or D'Ambrosio. It's like D'Ambrosio. Yeah, good. Okay. Uh, yeah, some, uh, you know, I'm a Basilo, and they're like, well, you know, in, in Italy it's pronounced. And I'm like, okay, great. I don't. I, right. Some people are like super Diodario, and some are Didarios, and you never know. Absolutely. And the apostrophe throws a lot of people off, yeah. and it's pronounced different ways. So we're straight. D'Ambrosio. 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 That's good. Okay, yeah. so, all right, so now we've, now we've established that. Let's head on home for the day. Um, <laughs> it's, good to, it's good to have you in. We met, we met one time, I think, briefly. Yeah. Uh, after a storytelling show, is that right? Yeah, although I don't remember which one. There's so many. I do so many of them. I know, I right? so many of them. Hey, I'm going to tilt your mic a little bit so yeah. I can actually look you in the face. Is oh, that perfect. Is that oh, right? Yeah, I guess so. Spin a little bit? Good. There we go. <laughs> it's good. We were like... I. This setup in this studio, I'm always like kind of looking through wires at people, right, and I feel like it's right. it, it's distracting to me. Straight, yeah. uh, now we're straight on, like human, yeah. like human beings. Yeah, Welcome exactly. on. Uh, so you you've heard the show before. I have, uh, I have. I'm sorry, I'm sorry that happened to you. But it's good. It's good when you when people that I don't know well have heard the show, so I at least know what they're getting themselves in. Right. Well, that's exactly why I needed to. Occasionally, I'll brush ask, up. I'll ask people about music, and they'll be like at the break, like, was I supposed to? Was I supposed to know a lot about music to come on here? I'm like, no. It's just music. I think is a th- like we talk about it, and it's a thing that connects everybody, right? On some level, yeah. Um, even if even if it was like last week's guest Amanda, who was like, I don't, I never really listened to pop that, music, and I know nothing about it. That was so fascinating. Mm-hmm. I really loved that admission, and then the exploration be- behind the music that she liked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was interesting too. And like my partner grew up in a household where they listened to classical and they all had to take piano lessons and uh, stuff like that. Yeah. And I just like my 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 growing up could not have been further. I don't know if it's an Italian thing or like what it is. Right, 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 right. Um, it, like it's. I could not. I I would have loved. I wish they had forced me to take piano lessons. Looking back at it, but the idea of like trying to like my parents being like, "Hey, we're going to listen to this classical right. music," we all would have just rolled our eyes. Oh God, yeah, yeah. God. Um, was your uh, what was it like in your house? <laughs> oh man, um, it was like soft rock. <laughs> oh, really? like Gordon Lightfoot and that whole guy. Uh, Christopher Columbus, Christopher Columbus, uh, Lionel Richie. Oh wow, Stevie Wonder. I mean, and we're talking about the radio, right? Right, right, right. You know, playing in 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 my house, like my sister and I each had a Fisher Price turntable record mm-hmm, player, mm-hmm. is what we called them. Was back. it the Was it the brown one? Yes. Yeah, I had that one. And we had the little forty fives. Yep. So I used to play uh, Ghostbusters. I had to sing <laughs> on Ghostbusters, and then the Thompson Twins. Uh, what was it? Hold me now. Was that the Was that the big single? Was it? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think so. Hold me now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. I think that was it. Yeah. Yeah. All those songs kind of blend together yeah. in my head. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, the 80s music was so it good. Was, it, it was so uh, but wonderful. It, it's, but the thing about 80s music is that it's so specifically <laughs> dated. That's like you, up. You it's, hear it, yeah. and, and it's just like, and it's the 80s. And it brings you back. I don't care for it, though, looking back at it. Like, I think about how many Bruce Springsteen records I love that are just ruined by bad synthesizers. Sure, sure. And it bums me out. Yeah, no, I... Absolutely, but there's nostalgia, and every sure, time, of course, you know, I throw on a little '80s. I'm like brought back the simpler times, a minivan with wood paneling, exactly. a giant station uh, wagon. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was a time. So you, I think you're a little older than I am. How old are you? Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm not saying. trying to That's embarrass you. One. No, it, I'm looking for cultural context. I am 41. You're I am. A, I'm a Star Wars baby. Okay, so, so I was born. 
a couple months after Star Wars came out. Yeah, and I was born in '83, <sighs> so I was I'm Baby. just a little little Young. little younger. But I'm yeah. older than a lot of most of the people I know and hang out with and work with. I'm mm. I'm younger than most of the or older than most of them, but I'm younger than than you are. Uh-huh. Which is to say, you're much older than everyone I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Perfect. Ah, uh, <laughs> ball busted right out the gate. Um, so, it was music, was it a big thing in your house though? Like, were your parents really into music? My parents. <laughs> it's so funny because my mom will my mom will listen to this whether she's listening. Is that good? <laughs> she will listen to this. Um, my mother learned piano, but I don't recall her playing piano. My dad had an accordion. Cool. That he played. <sighs> Probably until the very early 80s. That's the last time I remember him playing is like 83, 84. Mm-hmm. Um, because he used to play for the family at their gatherings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back way before I was born. So he gave that up and pursued his <laughs> work. What did he do? He, he was a businessman. He oh, was okay. a bank. Gotcha. Banker. Got, banker. 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 In, uh, did you grow up in Chicago? No, Where'd Boston. Bo- oh, North of Boston. Oh, okay. Okay. So... Yeah. North, North meaning what? Peabody. Peabody. Peabody, Massachusetts. I love, the thing I love about Peabody is that uh, you say Peabody, and everyone knows you're not from there. How do you know that? Because I have friends in Boston, and I just learned that. And I said Peabody that, once, and they're like, it's, yeah, it's Peabody. Don't, don't ever say Peabody. That's it's how Peabody. you know who you're, yeah. that you're not from. Yeah. yeah. Just, tour, just touring the country, touring the world. I, I've done so many shows in so many different wow. places. Like you, just, you meet people, and you pick up the, the region, regionalisms. I love Peabody. Yeah. Uh, do you really love Peabody? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Because it's the place I grew up and I left uh, 18 years ago. And it's a place I go home, you know, go home to a lot. I consider myself a New England boy. I mm-hmm. will always be from New England. Okay. I've lived more years in New England than I have in Chicago. Sure. People are like, so you're a Chicagoan. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm actually in I'm, – I'm, I'm from Peabody. But that but that's all right. Like you have to switch though. In this city, like I've never seen a city that rides so hard for itself. Like so I've never yeah. New York, even New York. Like you go to Chicago and Chicagoans are are in, right? So yeah. people are either like all the way in getting the four star tattoo, wearing the shirt, right. doing the whole deal, or they're like I'm not really from here and I'm fine with that. Yeah. But you have to it's like one or the other. Yeah. I I I'm consider myself from New England. I will always be a New Englander. Does it feel different? When I go home, it feels different. How? Because I don't feel like I'm wrong. I feel like I haven't been here. So, like, I haven't been there, rather. So, or consistently. So, I go back there a few times a year. So, it just feels like I'm the odd man out. But it's easy to get back into the pocket. Like, my my friends are there. Um, We stay close. I hang out with them. And it's very true to a lot of people that live out here from New England. Like, they go back home, and they're in their group, mm-hmm. and they're in their pocket. But right. it just feels like there's somewhere else to be other than there in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's like, I don't know, Chicago's where I'm going to be for the rest of my life. But I think I, there's other places I'm going to be before I head back. So how did you end up here in the first place? School? <sighs> at the turn of the century. <laughs> Way uh, back at when. At the turn of the century. Uh, improv, this was the Mecca, right? Of course. And I was in an improv group in college called Mission Improbable at UMass <laughs> Amherst. Mission Improbable. Mission Improbable. Um, and a bunch of the folks moved out here a couple years before I did. And I was like dead set and moving out here. And I went 
after I graduated, I went back to my parents' house and I moved back in for a year. And everybody was like, oh, so you're home. Good. You're going to get a Go job on. here. You live here again. You, you live yeah. here. But, right? <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, but I'll, I'll live here for the moment. But um, And they're like, okay, sure. And like every weekend, I'd be like, I'm moving. I'm moving. I'm moving. Oh, okay. All right. And I finally did a year later. And then I remember five years after. After that, for every week for five years, I would call my parents weekly, call my grandparents weekly. Everyone would be, when are you moving back home? We miss you. When are you moving back home? And uh, for five years, I think after five years, they're like, um, okay, so apparently you're not moving <laughs> back home. So, so what was the draw? What was the, uh, what was the improv draw for you? I mean, obviously, improv like it turns on. This was the mecca at the time. Yeah. Like it was, it was here in Toronto, really. Well, yeah, because Second City would, had the big training center in, in Toronto. Yeah. But what was the? I guess my question is like, what was the draw to improv? What was it that turned you on to the point that you were willing to move halfway across the country to to study it? Because I felt like I was good at it at the time. Sure. Like in college, I, we had a groove going with our group. Like, <laughs> but that's like so common amongst. A lot of college improvisers and I felt like oh here's my chance you know here's my chance to make it on SNL or mm -hmm. skyrocket elsewhere like that was the dream when I moved out here was SNL a big thing in in your childhood when you were young no I didn't really watch it but like I grew up like watching like Carol Burnett reruns huh that was probably my biggest comic influence um, I, and I, I was lucky. I got to watch a lot of Carson with my grandparents and, you know, although I think he's in the right place right now, uh, Bill Cosby was a huge influence. His comedy was yeah. what he's done. So what we now know is disgusting. Well, yeah. You know, and it's horrible that we can't like, he was an absolute huge, huge, huge influence on so many writers, so many comedians. He was an amazing stage performer. He had a great sitcom. Like, he was, regardless, like, it's just so sad that his personal life and the ugly, horrible things that he's done in that personal life have completely tainted such a great legacy as an entertainer and as a comedian. Yeah. And we can't not go, well, I don't care for him personally, but, like, we, it's, it's hard to even make that statement without... Right. And for me, it's, you know, there's so many... Com complex departments of a human being and it all feeds into the other you know for me and so I look at him and it's like do I really want you know I was a fan of him back then it shaped me then but there's other stuff out there oh of course of course and, 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 and so the, the disgusting act that, acts that he did to me just kind of let allow me to be like, oh, I don't even need to go back sure, there and stand sure. up for him or his comedy. Anyway. Sure. Yeah, and I kind of feel that way. There, I think there's a lot of stuff, and and I've had this conversation, I'm not sure, probably on the air too, um, about so much of the of the comedy that existed in the 70s, 80s, 90s. You know, I know that we're not exactly the same age. We kind of, we came up around the same time, had the same touchstones. Really, we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah of, um, course, of course. So it's, uh, like you go back, and my favorite comedian, the first, the, my two favorite comedians were Eddie Murphy and yeah. George Carlin. And George yeah. Carlin still turns me on. But like oh, Eddie Murphy, God. you go back and watch Raw or you watch oh, Delirious. And yes. you're like, he would get he would get hung. Like he would be shot 
on site for the things he says in in the, both yeah. those specials. But as a kid, I remember finding them hysterical. Yeah, you know, I went back with uh, my partner. We watched uh, Ace Ventura a, a couple of months ago. Mm. It's like, oh, it's it's just one big gay panic joke. The entire mm. the entire movie is just like, hey, uh, don't uh, don't be gay. <laughs> Isn't that funny? And it just ruins everything for me. It's so weird that like we've we've progressed in a society. We've progressed as a society to a place where. Uh, we're so much more understanding and decent to each other, but it ruins all the stuff that we used to find funny. Right, right. Prior used to be one of yeah, my sure. Ideas. God, to watch Prior was amazing. Yeah, amazing. But Carol Burnett—that's the really the—that was the thing that I was just like, oh, I was. Their stuff was so funny. Obviously, it's dated, but like, it was so funny. And then they yeah. cracked each other up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, how could you not? be hooked into it and as you know an eight-year-old nine-year-old kid it was just gold yeah and it was it was kind and that's the thing about the comedy it was yeah. it was kind and i was trying yeah. to explain um brooklyn 99 uh to my partner's parents we were like that's a great show to watch right um if you if if, the, if you find it funny sure. but the thing about it is like 99 is always about the decency and kindness of the characters they yeah. like they genuinely like each other they get along they support each other so yeah i mean whether or not it's your brand of comedy it's it's one of those kind of shows where you could watch with your parents and right. everyone can enjoy that it's funny yeah. together and i think yeah. carol burnett kind of had that sort of thing yeah and she still got it i she, saw her not long ago did you see her at the chicago theater yeah were I, you there no yeah she still got it she's still funny of course. Yeah. It's in her bl- bones and blood, you know? It's like that... I mean, it's like Betty White. I mean, she's still funny. Betty's still with us, right? I think Betty White is still with us. Yeah. And she gets, so. she gets funnier. Yes. It's, a, it's weird, like, yeah. when, you ha- when you're able... Like, when you have that sort of comedic... You have those comedic chops, you have that training and that sort of thing, and you're able to take, like, your physical being and how people look at you, how you generally present to the world, and you can use that in your favor to be additionally funny yeah yes i I, i'm into it yeah all right it's cool so now that we've gone down this memory lane (laughs) hey isn't stuff cool uh let's talk about you just a little bit Uh, so you so you're in addition let's start with this so you're an actor i am um and you just you recently did an oak tree right yeah i just started an oak tree couple months ago early november yeah so we can't get too far into that show because we don't want to ruin it for people although i think it's over but oh that's right it just wrapped it just wrapped. fair enough but but yeah i don't want to get but you went down that that rabbit hole with gage and yeah it was amazing it was so much fun so much fun what was fun about it for you well one the pressure is completely off the way he took he took us actors uh an hour before and just sat us down Mm -hmm. and checked in with us and he just kind of took the pressure off. One of the cool things he said, you know, is a lot of people feel the impulse to do a lot of things. Sure. You know, create a lot of things on stage. Whereas if you do the opposite and you're still, that's as interesting. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, all the acting training in the world tells you that too. Sure. So I didn't feel an obligation to perform or show and I could just be present. And I just came off the, all this training, five months of doing this um, Black Box, uh, the Academy at Black Box, which is this five-month conservatory. And so <laughs> that five months just lent itself to this performance. And it was really cool to just see things just uh, co- like come to you as the audience is, is understanding it. Sure. As an actor, I'm going in there with not, you know no knowledge of the show. 
and he has everything. He has yeah. all the lines. He's got it all memorized. He's got your lines memorized. And go back so and cool. go back and listen to the Jeremy Alum episode. Those yeah, this would be a podcast. Yes. Go back and listen to that. It'll give you the whole rundown of what yeah. the oak tree is. But essentially, it's a show where the, there's one actor on stage, and then there's a second actor on stage, and the second actor has no idea what the show is about, yeah. what the character is doing, and essentially, you know, being fed and read all these different things. Uh, so it's a cool, it's a cool experience. But you mentioned the Black Box Conservatory. Yeah. Tell me about that. The Academy at Black Box. The Academy of Black Box. So it's yeah. an act, it's an acting conservatory. It's an acting okay. conservatory, and uh, it's based in uh, viewpoints and and Meisner. Uh, Audrey Francis and Laura Hooper are mm-hmm. the two folks that um, uh, opened the studio. Yeah. Um, th- you know. Uh, I know of them. I know yeah. their names. Yeah. And uh, it was, uh, it's five months, five nights a week. Wow. Um, yeah. And it was, it was an amazing experience. That in itself, you know, I also work a day job. And like that, it, that would have been enough. Sure. But it's a 20-week program, and week five, I suffered a concussion where I lost <laughs> short-term memory. Tell me, the, tell me the story of the concussion. Well, this is the best advice I have for you and your listeners is when you bend down to pick something up, stand up very slowly. Mm-hmm. I bent down to pick something up. I stood up very quickly, and I hit my top of my head, the crown of my head, on a, a pipe. In the studio. No. Oh, just in general? No, in the shower in my apartment. (laughs) Uh, I didn't pass out. I didn't see stars, but I lost short-term memory. My vision got all messed up. I couldn't read for a while. Um, I couldn't memorize anything anything for a while, but I could remember things from before the hit. So Concussions aren't a game. I know it's like really in the news and we're talking about it, but they really are real. It's some um, serious business. Yeah. I that, think I've had four of them. Are you serious? I'm serious. I think I've had four concussions. Oh my god. Yeah. Two were one was in motor one was in was a motor vehicle accident, two playing football, and then one that's right. I played football. I'm very tough. Yeah. Not really. Uh yeah, two playing football, one was a motor vehicle, Jeez. and one was uh one was about a year and a half, two years ago, where I got drunk and fell down. And just cracked my head on the on the steps on the on the uh, cement steps in front of my place. I had, a, I had a ninety degree wound. I woke up not knowing how I got there and that whole thing. And oh, I think I just tripped man. and fell and busted my nugget. Crazy, right? But yeah, I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember my phone number. Oh, dude. I was trying to put in. I was trying to order food at Grubhub and I couldn't figure out how to work it. Like it was just all of it was gone. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh man, yeah, it's gnarly. Oof. Yeah, it happens. But anyway, I'm sorry. I cut you off with my uh, no. with my this is why I can't remember stuff. So, yes. Anyway, I navigated <laughs> the program with a concussion. And um, it, it just added a whole different element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't as patient with myself as I needed to be looking back, but I got through it. I got through it. You got through it. So, what, so let's talk about acting training just a little bit. Yeah. So I studied... I'm a weird tourist. Like I've done, I've studied photography and I've studied acting and I've stu- yeah. I've done basically done all the artistic stuff enough yeah. to know what I'm talking about, but not enough to actually be sure. good or a, a master or whatever mm. uh, by any stretch. So, but I studied Meisner for a summer. Yeah, like I did Meisner. I think four nights a week or whatever it was mm-hmm. because I wanted to make my I wanted to get better at improv and I thought Meisner would get me there and it sure. did. Yeah. And then I realized that improv wasn't where I wanted to spend all my time. Your life, whatever. That's what it is. Yeah. We all do these things. Sure. So, 
but I don't know. I don't know squat about viewpoints. So Meisner, if for those of you listening, that it, you can get into it if you want to. But it's basically it's a lot of um, a lot of repetition. It's a it's a repetition training essentially to create a realistic. What is it? What, how did Sandy Meisner put it? Real acting. You know, is, the last time I talked to Sandy, he gave me yeah, like, such right? a <laughs> roundabout way that I was like, Sandy, that wasn't the way you described it in your book. And he goes, well, uh, you got to listen better, kid. Come to class. Is that true? Or are you doing a bit? You're doing a bit. Oh, you did. Oh, you have. <laughs> For a second, I'm like, I'm like, oh, he's doing a bit. Oh, no, he's done. Oh, are no. you seriously? No, Sanford Meisner. So it's all like, you're, it's a lot of repetition. It's a lot of listening. It's it's the whole yeah. deal. Yeah. Um, and it's it's the idea of like repeating that the words don't matter. It's all about connecting and yeah. uh, connecting to the person in front of you, which yeah. I thought would make my improv better because I was having a hard time making eye contact yeah. and talking and listening. And so it did, right? But I'm doing know. a great job now, though. Very nice of you. Yeah, Thank great you. Great eye contact. It's, it's taken some time. I'm really aware of it. The money uh, went, went was well spent, I oh, guess. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but what? So, but what's viewpoints? So, because I have I've directed actors who are like, well, I come from a viewpoints standpoint. Yeah. I'm just like, I don't know what that is. So there's nine of them. There are um, nine different viewpoints. Yeah, nine okay. different viewpoints. I'm not an expert in these at all. Um, so it's like tempo, duration, spatial relationships, um, architecture, which is the most interesting for me. Um, like, what's your relationship to the chair that I'm sitting in? You know, the wall, like, the space itself, for me at least. Um, Anne Bogart uh, came up with these mm-hmm. uh, uh, long before I knew about them, um, I believe. <laughs> There's some, like, <laughs> viewpoints expert listening going, he has, he has no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, that's about the extent that I would... Um, like to chat about them. I am <laughs> that's not. it. That that's fine. Hey, that's there's totally nine fine. of them though. Okay, there's a couple books on it. You should you should definitely read. If it. you really want to get into the nerd, yeah. like the 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 second level nerdery of yeah. acting, like that's that's the kind of training they get. To yeah, do. I mentioned I think four of them or five maybe. So the other four, it's up to you. Okay, so what's the point? I guess like what is the point of studying Meisner, studying viewpoints, any of that kind of stuff? Because obviously hmm. it. it People people rely on it and people uh, speak well of it. So, like, what is it? What has it done for you? It it gets me to be able to come to the moment and just be present. Sure. So, yeah, you have to do a lot of preparation to get to, to basically live in the moment. That's yeah. what it is. <laughs> That's what it really all comes down to is living in the moment. All these acting schools and approaches hopefully we'll get you to the same thing as being alive in the moment on stage in front of others. Yeah. Hey, did you see, um, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. And I, and that's the whole point, right? Is, is like, it's supposed to be, you know, the moment and you're there and you're being a true conduit of the words and of yeah. the character and that sort of thing. So you do. And hours. you're taking a journey. You're taking a yeah, ride. Yeah. On everything. Yeah. The, did you see, did you see Barry, the show on H, on HBO? No. Here's the thing. It's, it's a good show. Bill Hader's great. It's really worth seeing. It's yeah. fun. It's funny and it's dark and it's it's a lot of the things that I like about about television. Yeah. The thing is though, it's he study he's he's a hitman who wants to go into acting. So right. like you get this complete 
complete neophyte who walks into the acting school. They're all talking about like viewpoints and stuff. And they're I just thinking about it, like how many of these jokes are lost on people who have never done nerd acting training? Right. But if you have done nerd acting training, it is the most like cringy, hilarious, poke yourself in the ribs kind of like, oh, I can't believe I used to talk like this. That's wonderful. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I the process is so different and, and intimate for every actor that I know that it's hard to talk about sometimes. You know, it's like, what's your process? Eh, I'm still working it out. I'm still a human being, and I'm an evolving. And but process changes, of course, as the as the years go on. Sure. Oh my God. Sure. I'm not the same person mentally in my acting that I was when I first came here. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to be. No. Like that's the thing. We forget that like our brains are constantly changing. And it's yeah. not just like people change. Of course people yeah. change. But we also physically change. Right. The way that we wire our brains is different. Like right. the cognitive behavioral, like all that kind of stuff that I've, I know that you're way into. So I'm starting to yeah. lead you there. Uh, Thanks. Uh, but I, I talked about this, I think last week, where I got into, I was doing all this like super heavy meditation, mindfulness, cognitive behavioral therapy, trying to get out of a wild, wild depression. Yeah. And it, yeah. I thought it was fascinating. And also infuriating and boring, and I hated it. But at the end, I definitely felt like results. Mm. And it's just that proof of like your brain can change physically. Like you can rewire your own brain. It just kind of sucks in the process if you're not keen to it. Right. But ultimately, it will. Like things change. Like we have people in our lives that leave. You know, death happens sure. in our lives. Like, so we're not stuck in that grieving place forever we move on from it <laughs> you yeah, know of course so we may still remember that still may have that hold that feeling but we're gonna continue on our journey so emotions come and go so what was the feelings come and go so what is it about neuroscience neurofeedback and the cognitive therapy you've been doing see i'm reading yeah. notes i never i rarely yeah. do this but i no, really wanted I to touch on this with you no uh so talk to me about that like how did it start in that whole deal yeah um I got a invitation to uh, audition with a voiceover agent um, years ago. You still got his number or what's up? I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. Yeah, absolutely. You got a great voice. <laughs> Thank you. You got a great voice. Um, and I went in there wanting to be represented, um, thinking that that would change my life. Mm -hmm. And I went in there with a million dollars on my mind every time like a million dollars that's my paycheck i can these are my dreams being realized me reading this copy for chevy right right and i could you know and they're like we're gonna invite you in for a four week um kind of tryout I said all right and i went in there and i was just so anxious that i couldn't read the words on the paper um i was shaking amazingly <laughs> It was like the copy was just rattling in my hands. My, like I, I couldn't focus my eyes. I was sweating, and then after uh, I felt a couple of weeks, they were like, "We like your voice, but you're too green." And I was like, "Um, like air up my just my life flashed before my eyes." And I like before I left, I was I begged her, and I was like, "Where should I go for training?" Um, what what should I do? And she, you know, gave me some advice. She gave me this amazing bit of knowledge that she doesn't even know about. 
This is, is the agent. Right? The agent. Okay. She said, your voice breaks at a low register, and you need to get that checked out. And I was like, no, okay. I went to a voiceover coach. She recommended a, a speech pathologist who had training in opera. So I went, and it's like hypnosis. Like, speech pathology is like hypnosis. Like, all of a sudden, I'm, like, speaking at a higher octave and all that. And then... I had this thing that I kept on forgetting to mention to her. And I said, finally, at like one of the last sessions, I was like, whenever I read a, a piece of copy or, or anything, a book, I either skip over words that are on the page or I insert words that aren't there. Sure. She's like, let's do testing. We did testing. She's like, you have dyslexia. And I was like, mm -hmm. just add that to the pile of stuff. She goes, but it's out of my realm of services. I've got to refer you elsewhere. Sent me to this cognitive learning center who offered neurofeedback. They go, you don't have dyslexia. You have attention deficit disorder and a high level of anxiety. What do you eat? Uh, sugar and carbohydrates. <laughs> and they're like, well, you need to eat a lot more protein. You need to get rid of that sugar. And I did. And they're like, you could go on meds or we do this approach called neurofeedback. And basically it rewires your brain. So it it undoes all these kind of mental traps, I would say. Like, it, it, it starts firing your neurons in different ways. So, all of a sudden, uh, I noticed that I used to chew gum a lot. And after doing the training, I stopped chewing gum and I stopped snacking throughout my day. And I, I, I understood that was a nervous habit. What was happening is, like, it started to unravel like the anxiety that was really the hotbed for that attention deficit. So then all of a sudden things started getting clear, like my depression started to hmm. recede a bit. Hmm. My ability um, to recover uh, from being in anxious situations became better mm -hmm. and more efficient. I was able to recover better. Huh. Um, physically it changed me. It like, because uh, I have cerebral palsy on my left side, um, and since birth. And I've always, my right side is my dominant side, and I've always leaned towards this side. But it, it, it balanced out my equilibrium. Mm -hmm. So, like, I felt like my feet on the ground for the first time, and like, my, my tightness in my arms started to relax. And it was just, like, profound. Like, I had feelings, sensations in my body that I never felt before. Yeah, yeah. And it was incredible. And I, I, I continued to do it. Cognitively, I got um, in a much different place. Um, that led to a whole, host, a whole host of other things, of falling into meditation and all that. Um, so here I am, years later, and it's an amazing science and you're with it and it's still <laughs> yeah. and you're with it like I'm cognitively yeah. i'm with it <laughs> but i mean are you but you still are you still are doing you're still doing the the, med the meditation are you still yeah doing that kind of wiring yeah, yeah that was a that was a whole nother thing i um around the same time i got back into therapy because after that audition happened i started dating somebody from an acting class i'm sorry to hear that yeah <laughs> get an accountant yeah and um I fell head over heels for her, and she broke up with me. And for an entire month, I cried every single day. Wow. 
every and that's like a lot of tears, man. That is a lot of tears. Buckets and buckets. And I finally got myself doing neurofeedback. I went to a therapist. She walks in. Uh, I walk in, and she goes, "Why don't we try to meditate for five minutes at the front of every session? You know, at the top of every session." I was like, thinking in my head, "Why would I pay you money?" To mm-hmm. watch me sleep. Mm-hmm. But I did it. And then one day I came in heavy with this emotion of dating this person and having this breakup. And I closed my eyes and I felt a teardrop start from the top of my eye, roll down my eye, expand my eyelid, roll down my eye, wet my eyelashes, and roll down my cheek. And I was like, oh my God. This is meditation. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that led to exploration into meditation. Yeah. It's the thing I found, and you're blowing my mind here because I'm, I'm kind of trying to get my, I've been. I, you are doing. I'm way you off are. the rails uh, as far as I've got, I've got the, I got the depression and the anxiety and all that. And it's just, it's part of me and it's been part of me my entire life. Ever sure. Since, ever since like adolescence hit when i was about 10 when the puberty thing set in it was just like and you're angry and anxious and you're upset all the time and it was just never it never ended yeah so i started doing this really heavy cognitive behavioral stuff and the meditation and like i'm i told so i completely understand what you said what you mean by i could feel a tear start in my back of my eye and like that kind of mindfulness changed everything yeah the thing and i thought and then i started to feel better all of a sudden i started to feel okay and i got in a relationship and that's just like five years ago and i thought like hey good we're fixed and the problem is like it it to me, and I don't know, I can't speak to your experience, yeah. but to me, it's a lot like going to the gym. Like I was just, I just did a 90 and 90, whatever it was. And all of a sudden my body was different and it felt, I felt more energetic and I was stronger and all these kind of stuff. And then I got injured and stopped going to the gym. And like, if you, you use it or lose it, like yeah. it goes away. Yeah. And that's the thing that I found so frustrating was like, man, I did all this work and then I stopped doing the meditation and all of a sudden it's like, now I got to get back on this train and rewire again. And But the great part about it is you don't have to get into gym clothes. You yes. can do it literally anywhere. Right. And it's just about doing it again. It's not about why you got derailed. Mm-hmm. Forget that. Right. It's about, all right, where are you right now? Oh, I've got 10 minutes. Whatever style you sure. you know, practice, guided meditations all over YouTube, which are fantastic if yeah. that's the way you go. I go in and out of you know, a formal practice. Every time I come back to my bench, though, it's like the most peaceful place in the world. It's crazy. Wow. Huh. All right. You're changing my mind. The hard thing for me, in addition to it, is like when you're, if you're already depressed and you feel terrible about yourself, about your life, about your station, you're completely living in a fog. Yeah. Like just trying to force your way to even start a meditation can be like pulling teeth. Yet you brush your teeth every morning even yeah. though you're depressed. You exactly. put on your clothes even though you're depressed. You you're force right. yourself out of bed most days if yeah. you're depressed. More often than not, sure. So maybe you can... For, I know. And I, I, I'm not dismissing... Uh, of course not. Of course not. Any of, of what you're feeling. But you can do that. You can do that. And you're right. And you can and I and I never do I never meditate and wish I hadn't never once. No, <laughs> that was a waste of ten minutes. Yeah, I never have. Uh, by the way, those of you just tuning in, this is Q4 Radio. You're listening to Therapy with Kevin Ambrosio. <laughs> Yet another no, guest I tried to not, solve Baz's. Brain. I am not at all. No, but you know it's uh, 
everybody has to find their own way into it. And it may leave you. It le- I tried it around the turn of the century. I felt something. I was like, I've reached nirvana in my mind. And it was gone. Now, I didn't actually reach nirvana. I was just like, oh, I had an amazing experience. And then for some reason, I didn't touch it for a decade. Mm-hmm. And then it came back into my life. Yeah. Now it has more foundation, more in my daily life than, than it did back then. And I get it. What other cognitive stuff have you done, though, if you don't mind? Um, asking. God, I'm trying to think. The, uh, I read, I've, read, I've read the books. I've done most oh, of, most God, of the books. Love, yeah, books. Most of the books I've Self-help done. Self-help books. Uh, yeah. And some so of them, many. Some of them, so yeah, there's so many. I found this great article. <laughs> I found that it's not a great article, but I found an article the other day. It was just like, okay, here's all the 50, here's 50 years of self-help books distilled into one article, right? Yeah. And they're all basically the same basic tenets of like, you know, this is how, how you think about yourself, how you speak about yourself, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, this is not at all where I expected this conversation to go, but I'm fine with it. So I'm good. rolling with it. So uh, yeah. So I mean, you read the. I've done a lot of the books. Um, I what is not not AM, uh, ASMR. What is the one? EMR. EM. Eckhart Tolle. No, 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 no. Uh, in the um, psychological. EMDR is that it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I had a. I had a. A therapist that I started seeing that I really didn't care for ultimately, but he, he was great in getting things going. I remember. Yeah, I listened I, oh, yeah, that's yeah right. I listened to an, I listened so earlier episode. Yeah, that's right. So I know that was the guy. all about it. So, yeah, and the guy that I that, – the, ultimately, the reason I stopped seeing him was that he was, like, trying to push me in this EMDR direction that I just didn't feel comfortable. Yeah, And I just, course. like – he goes, and I want you to think about this trauma and then put your yeah. eyes here. And I'm just like, mother – I cannot do this at this moment. And he's yeah. like, no, no, no. Yes, you can. And I'm like, no, okay, I don't need to pay you out of network 200 bucks i don't need to sell my guitars to pay you to make me uncomfortable right uh which was not the best reaction in the world but also it kind of was like you know what screw this meditation stuff and then i stopped doing it um wow uncovering some things so i haven't done it but i've I mean, I've read the books i've done the cognitive behavioral and the magic the thinking big and the feeling good and the you know all those books yeah can i ask you yes you what can. is the biggest and you kind of alluded to it what is the biggest obstacle from you just getting to the the two you know, big the two big ones are one is uh one is chemical yeah. like i can't i am fighting the chemistry in my brain at all sure, times right yeah. um and the other one is uh i am so afraid of in it sounds ridiculous intellectually it sounds ridiculous but like i'm so afraid of rewiring what i already know to be true yeah and i'm so afraid of becoming a person that i don't feel is me right you build an identity around being a certain person. I think this way. I feel this way. I act this way. I behave this way. People think I'm funny when I am this way, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And if you take away, excuse me, when you take away all those negative feelings and you're like, but those, those are the coal that goes in my funny engine. I don't know how to be interesting or funny if I'm not being cynical. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's the biggest deal. And also why I've rejected, why I've not gone on medication that I should have been on for like 20 years. Like why I haven't gone on those things is because I'm just like, well, what if it changes me? What if I'm not funny? And people I know are like, yeah, I'm not. Some people I know that are, have said, have sat in that chair have gone, yeah, I'm not as funny on antidepressants, but it feels way better. And some people I know have gone, no, I'm just as funny. I just don't want to kill myself. I'm like, man, well, I don't want to run that risk. And a lot of people have told me that about neurofeedback. Like, oh, my God, you're, like, literally changing your brain chemistry. Like, sure. I don't want – what if I'm – and I thought that, too, like, when I first started doing it. Like, what if I lose my desire for acting? And it's not going to make me a whole different human being. No. It's going to clear things up. Sure. Like, it got me basically um, 
to like uncover so much. But with meditation, like as which has what has equal weight is like what if it does something really positive for you and oh, yeah. and, and yeah. changes changes quote unquote changes you for the better of course for lack of a and I that's know. what that's why you do it like you you know but that, and I understand that's why the 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 thing is like oh but I don't I feel good right now I feel good today. I don't Where's, need that. I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. Like, I feel good today, but what's going to happen? Because when we feel good, we just feel like we should coast, you know? Or like, we're going to sure. coast for, like, oh, man, it's like a it's a, it's a California Tuesday. Like, I'm just feeling good. <laughs> it's the beach, the warm weather. Yeah. It takes practice and discipline like everything else. Sure. Um, the good thing about emotions is they're not here to stay, right? They float in and they float out. Sometimes they come really heavy. Sometimes they sneak in. Sometimes the good stuff comes in and out. I've I've, I've redefined my relationship to emotions a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, where, like, I looked in at, at terms uh, in terms of like sensations and emotions and kind of separating the two because a conversation usually happens and I usually have a sensation of anxiety. If I listen to the conversation and the content, then, you know, I can go down a rabbit hole of craziness and why I'm not the uh, president of the United States today, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But if I go to the sensation, that's something I can actually, happening that I can look at and be with, um, and, and it creates some space to, to, to divide the two. Huh. Yeah, the uh, Zen Buddhists refer to that as monkey brain. Yeah, right. Exactly. Da, 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 right. And chattering. the thing is, the thoughts are going to come in, going to come out. Yeah. Feelings are going to wave in, wave out, and it's like it's about letting them all pass by. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot of like kind of exploring into ego too, my own ego, and like the the ego that makes you thinks makes you think that like. Oh, you're the greatest thing in the world, it, it, which is also the same ego voice that tells me I'm the worst thing in the world, right? Sure. It's the same thing, right? So if I don't believe any of it, if I don't believe the the negative or, lack of a better word, negative or positive, yeah, they're both to me the same voice. So, psh, huh? You're blowing my mind. Yeah, I've done a lot of my current my current practice looks into a lot of this. This so. is not at all how I expected to go yeah. today, but I'm so glad it did. Because uh, the ego, we don't need ego. God, you, were, you were, you know what, Renee, my partner just said to me like two weeks ago. She's like, I don't. She's she she's very 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 supportive, but she was also just like, you know, I, you're either every time you're in a group of people, you're either. These people are all below me, and I, I'm wasting my time being around them. Or yeah. I'm the biggest piece of garbage on the planet, and why would anyone want to talk to me at this party? She's like, you, you know, you had these two modes, and like, what's the deal? That's how you feel. That's how I feel at all times. Yeah, mm, it sucks. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you're you're trapped in that, yeah, like ping pong ball. Mm-hmm. Which which guy is going to show up to this place? You sure, know, right. It depends on the day. Sometimes yeah. I'm 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 wonderful at a party, and I love going to see shows and having fun. And then most days, just like. I'd go in there and everything's going to be terrible and everyone hates me and no one likes me and they're all mad I'm here. You know, and it's just, yeah. it's not right. I'm just right. saying these are, these are just And true. that's that negative voice, that monkey brain that's yeah, yeah, coming yeah. through telling you that yeah. you're, you're, you're too good or not good enough. And it's just paralysis. And yeah, the good news is you can change your relationship to that voice. It's, oh, it's, a, it's a journey. You're right. But all we have is time. Uh, I do have a lot of time. 
all we have is time. I got at least a couple years left. Until the ticker goes, <laughs> we got time. And now we're going to be rebuilt as robots, so we got a lot of time. Right? When our brains are floating in liquid and we're just running like a, like a Simpsons cartoon. <laughs> were you a Simps- are you a Simpsons fan? Mom? Yeah. She's listening. Hey, Mom. I know she is. Um, my mom didn't let me watch The Simpsons when I was younger because she thought it was, like, vulgar. I was and trying to explain this to a kid I work with who's 20. I was like, it was a vulgar show. Yeah. Parents, parents were not into it. I'm so I, I didn't really get into it. Every time I watched it, like when my mother was not looking, like I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I didn't follow it enough to like understand the culture of The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of outside the room as no, far okay. as The Simpsons. But I just wasn't sure if you got the reference. Uh, no, like I, the floating head. It's, yeah, no, Mac, no, but Mac I mean, Raining has done a lot of that. Yeah. With, especially with Futurama has done a bunch of that. Anyway. Word. But I mean, you God. just threw out Simpsons, so I'm going to laugh because I understand the I do. I, I don't want to, you know. I can talk about the Simpsons all day, but we got other. Man. Yeah. So man, much. Kevin, I, I needed to talk to you today. Uh, <laughs> do you want to talk about. I, I saw you sent a note about. Um, this <laughs> you don't is, want to talk about. We're done with meditation. Yeah, I got to move on, man. We're done uh, with mindfulness. It's getting, it's getting a little. Mindfulness is getting a little too heavy for today. And also, I, I want to. Uh, I want to open it up for. I'm sure that there's a listener out there right now. Both of you. One of the two of you. Kidding, my mom. Yeah, your mom my and my there. one other listener. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sure you know some people are, are really into it. And uh, mindfulness, go down that. If you want to go down that rabbit hole, uh, start in places, start looking at cognitive behavioral therapy. It's there's so much of it in the world if you're willing to find it. There's yeah. so many books and so many therapists and free meditation programs. And and if you're listening out there and you're into it, definitely follow it. Um, but we're running. We do what we do have a time constraint, yeah, no, and I really want to talk to you about uh, what it was like doing. You did a storytelling lab in Cook County Jail. Yeah. So I used to teach poetry. I used to do poetry workshops. Yeah. In a bunch of different uh, jails, and then I taught for a year at uh, at Cook County Juvenile. Wow. I taught poetry every. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I want to I want to share that experience or talk about that experience yeah, with you. What so, was your experience like? It was not good, man. Um, and what I found out is that the thing is when when it was good. There were about five days in the year that I taught there that yeah. were really good where I went, man, I made an impact. I did something. I felt I felt alive. I felt connected. I felt like, man, this is the reason that I started teaching and started working with young people. Yeah. Uh, and then every other day was like, this is the most frustrating experience, and I'm banging my head against it, and I'm in a mm-hmm. contract, and I can't get out of it, and I wish – I dread every day I have to go into this prison, right? Um, was my thing. And I, I think a lot of it comes down to situation and the way it was set up and we were not be, and now I know people that have people, I actually know the teachers who are teaching the program that I was part of the pot that I was on the pilot for. Yeah. And they go, actually, it's really great now. And I n- totally understand why five, six, eight years ago, whatever it was, 20, yeah, it was 2011. Uh, he's like, I, you know, I totally understand why it was hard for you then, but now it's great. So I think it was a lot of it was situational, but, um, I'm more interested in like how you found it and how you stumbled into it. Did you not feel successful? Like that it was landing on the guy or folk. I don't know if you worked with the female population or the male population, male population. Okay. Yeah. Did you feel like they came in with hard stuff? Like meaning they, they, they weren't receptive to it. They weren't receptive to it. Uh, they tried to do it on a half day because Wednesday is their half day when they only do classes for half a day because yeah. they still go to like people that are in juvie still have to go to class. It's yeah. still a high school right. technically. Right. Um, so they still go to class. And then Wednesday was used to be their half day. Yeah. Uh, so they they would take um, 
Uh, they would take, you know, math and whatever else during the day. And then the other half, they got to hang out and play cards and, you know, all the kind of yeah. stuff. And then uh, they started doing at Cook County mm-hmm. Juvenile, they started doing this this arts infusion program that was sponsored by this big uh, community trust and whatever else. And this arts infusion program was we're going to bring in all these outside artists to do these programs with you all. Okay. And um, it's going to be something different and something to change. And in theory, it sounds great. The problem is they dumped us in there in the middle of a, hey, you know that time you usually, the one day a week you get to play cards and eat pizza? Right. Now you have to go down to the art room and write poetry. Right. And the kids were like, we're not into it. Yeah. Um, and we didn't have any way to pre-select. They're, they couldn't sign up for it. It was, hmm. you know, and, and teenagers are tough. Uh, you know, working with teenagers, especially teenagers that are in the penal system, they are day-to-day, things change. You know, sometimes you have a, you have a kid who's totally God, focused yeah. and excited, and then one, some, one person says one thing to him, or his mother calls that day, yeah. or his lawyer tells yeah. him he's got another three months added yeah. on to the dock, and everything else. And it just it, it was just too there were too many variables in the yeah. air um, that I think they've since stripped out. But it was really hard when a lot of times they'd come in and be like, "We're not doing it," and the guards, uh, the the counselors, as they refer to in that school, um, were just like, "We can't help you." I mean, we could we could prevent them from being disrespectful to you, but like we can't ask them to write poetry or learn. Right. You know, if they don't want to be here, they don't want to they be here. Want, yeah. So, but mm. when I did adult prisons, I taught at Racine. I taught at Cook, I did one at Cook County, um, and then a couple around uh, other other spots. Like when I've done adult things, they're always really excited that I'm there. Yeah, you know, and it's it was so cool working with these people who are um, maybe don't you know obviously don't have as many opportunities to have art and art infusion around them. So they were really excited to be there. And so working with adults was always great. The teenagers were hard. Yeah, strangely enough. So yeah. well, how did you end up at Cook County? Well, you know, I, 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 as an artist, storytelling is what took off for me. Mm-hmm. Improv didn't, acting hadn't at the time, and then storytelling did. So much storytelling, so much personal narrative storytelling that I thought, like, where could I do it that could have a different influence on, and, and possibly a, a positive influence on people and I knew Piven Theater that I've been associated with was going into the female division mm-hmm. and doing some you know, the Piven style of, of, of theater. And then a friend had posted up that they were looking for more programming to come in, and I proposed that. And uh, we went in um, in the medium security division first, and then we went to the maximum. And I, I kind of threw out the idea to a friend of mine who's a professional mediator um and he was like oh my god this is amazing let's do it and we went in and and uh had people sign up and we had 12 guys because we were in the mail with working with the male detainees and um it took him a couple sessions to come Mm -hmm. around on what we were doing but then all of a sudden you had guys that never opened up in their lives. I mean, you have, you know, we would give them prompts, like tell us the, you know, best, what's your best childhood memory? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Everybody has at least one good childhood memory, even if there's a lot of not good, right? And it's like, one, how many times have possibly these folks been asked to talk about themselves in a positive light. Sure. And then also be received by others. 
So what happened over time was because we would we tell the story, the person tells the story, and we workshop it a bit, and then they present at the end in front of the group in a circle. We're all in a circle. And then we go around and say, you know, what, what's one thing that popped out of that person's story for you? And then all of a sudden you start having the different participants start giving positive feedback to the other person. Mm-hmm. And then building up a little bit of self-esteem. And you had guys that go came in and are really suspicious and try it out and tell like a one-sentence story. And then by week six, it's like, all right, five minutes. We yeah. five minutes. We got to move on, and yeah. they still want to chat. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's remarkable. You know, some days are harder than others. Um, the jail system is a is a tough tough place. Yeah, to be in and and to work in. Yeah. you know, I, I've I've spoken with a lot of guards, and we we have a lot of folks that are. You know, championing our program, which is wonderful, um, and allows us, I think, to do some valuable stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the work only meets the person at the stage they're at. Mm-hmm. You know, I had uh, part of our deal is whatever's in the room stays in the room. So whatever's said in the room stays in the room. Of course. So you can take your story and leave. I can take my story and leave. But I can't take yours, and you can't take mine. Sure. That's kind of the. General the rule we have. Yeah. But I remember there was this one kid who, who went in there, and he, he was really young, early 20s, and he just told this heavy story. But he there was a positive, huge positive outcome, and we had the head of programming there. And at the end of the story, she said, have you ever done any motivational speaking? And he said, no. She goes, you should consider it. We should talk. Now, here's where things get really terrible in the penal system. I never saw the kid again. Yeah. I think he was transferred out after that. Yeah, yeah. So now he's serving a sentence, probably. He went, maybe had his trial, served a sentence, and now he's gone. Like, I don't even remember his name, to be honest with you. And and that's the tough part. Like here, you have this moment where this guy had the probably the most amazing moment he's had in his time there. Mm-hmm. Someone reaffirmed what he was saying in the greatest compliment in the world, and now he's gone. Yeah, just that used to happen to me a lot. Working with occasionally, you get through to a young person, and and they the hardest thing for me. Um, was trying to get people to trying to get young people to open up is hard. Trying to get young people God, that are that are yeah. gangsters to open up. People that are in gangs that are yeah. like we don't talk, we do, we don't tell stories. Code of silence, or yeah. people or people that thought that I was going anything they wrote down on a piece of paper now becomes evidence, and I'm going to give it to a judge. Sure. It's a thing that happened every week. So sure. be like, well, I don't know who's going to see this. And I'm yeah. like, I promise you, all no for, one's going to see yeah, this. For I'm us, not, it was all oral. Yeah, yeah. So we didn't have to worry about right, right. paper or anything like that. But even then, you'd find you'd get students that would really connect, and then they get transferred out the next week, yeah, or they go, they get down, they get sent to, to DOC, and then now they're out of temp and they're wherever. It's just yeah. it's really hard. It's the system is. We keep on talking about it, 
as a society that it needs to be overhauled and looked at and it's I don't see how anybody has a chance in that system. Yeah, and it's not I think every time we start to get into talk about prison reform and and penal system reform and all that uh, your more conservative types want to come around and say, well, you know, these people shouldn't be let off the hook. And pe- no one is saying that people shouldn't be punished. No one is saying that right. that, there sh- that justice shouldn't exist. I don't think anyone is making no. that argument. Yeah. Um, but we are saying is that it's a system that is set up for people to fail and set up to hurt people long term. And it's the, the you know, of course, there are success stories where people make a mistake. They go to jail. They come out better right. on the other end. But those stories are so few and far between compared to the people who were generally decent people who made mistakes, went to went to prison, and then their lives never, like their lives were ruined. Right. You know, even if they're not there for a long time, you know, you, it's 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 just such an ugly system. I know a guy who is probably in his mid thirties. He's gang banger. Came into class one day and he's just had enough. He's pent up. He's in this place, this really horrible conditions. And uh, he's like, when I get out, I don't want to ever see a gun again. Mm -hmm. That was wonderful. But, like, when he gets out, what's going to be available to him? Who's going to be there for him, right? Who's going to offer him an opportunity to make money? Who's going to actually offer him an opportunity? This is a smart dude. It was funny. I was telling them a story about me, about how I'm not, like, I struggled with math. And the guy starts laughing. I was like, what are you laughing at? He goes, I'm good at math. Mm-hmm. There's a guy. You give him a number sheet. You give him a counting roll. Be incredibly successful, you know, if you have opportunities. And that's what a lot of people go, well, I'm never, I, you know, I'm not in jail. And da, 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 da. Yeah, but you weren't in the same. You haven't been in the same opportunities. You haven't. Sure. And uh, we have to look at the family situation that they're coming up from and have, were they even given a chance to begin with? Yeah. Some yes, most no. A lot of people. And it just breaks my heart. And I don't condone violence. I, I mean, is that the right way? I, I'm, I don't yeah, like I don't, violence. I don't think you do. <laughs> um, um, aggression, anything like that. Um, but, I, you know, these guys, a lot of them come in and they allow themselves, they allow to express themselves in a way that lets us see a little bit of light in there. And um, it changed me, and hopefully it changes them. Yeah. You know, stories have that power. Man, you're doing too well at this. Uh, Get out of here. No, that, that was, God, that's great. Um, and I think it's important work. And, you know, even, even, even those small, uh, small victories I had in that prison, I, in that detention center I'm not supposed to say the word prison but it's a it's a prison if you like i mean whatever um i uh even those small victories i think i i had i think made some impact somewhere even if it's a small one and that's the only thing you could take away and also like you'd learn a lot about everything and i think i obviously i think you're doing great work are you still doing the program yeah i oh, had great. to step away from it to do the conservatory but it's still going on for sure i think we're coming on two years oh awesome um so i'm going to jump back in 2019 into the program good for you man um so, yeah, and I, I'll end on this. You know, you have to sign a lot of forms, right? Sure. Going in there as a volunteer or teacher. And, um, you know, obviously contraband, everything, everything yeah. is contraband in yep. there. And, uh, you know, we're getting in there, very first class, and I'm like, 
there's no physical contact, nothing like that. And I was like, uh, what my co-teacher, co-developer, co-creator did is he stood by the door and every guy that came through the door, he shook their hand. And I stood next to him, every guy, I shook their hand. And that's what we do is every time we meet a new group, for sure, we shake their hands first time. Everybody shakes hands. And I think that sets the tone differently. Sure. Where it's like we're seeing you as a full human being. Yeah. You're accepted in here. Yeah. And you're the same as me. That's great. Because in life, it's very true. You're the same as me. I'm the same as you. We're reflections of each other. Really? You're yeah, reflecting no. my light yeah, and I'm yeah. reflecting your light. Yeah, I know yeah, that yeah. sounds goofy. No, I know. I, I used to think agree. all of that... Like mindfulness stuff yeah. was so hokey, and I have to make jokes about it to protect myself from actually being feeling affected. vulnerable. Right, I get it, and I. But yeah, the whole hand thing. You know, we. Uh, I've got a. I've got a piece called "Forget" that it's going to be. I'm either going to put it on the next record or I'm going to put it in the next book, but uh, it's <laughs> down the road. Um, at any rate, I have this one piece about it, and one of the, one of the parts of it is uh, that we're not allowed to. We're not supposed to make contact with each other yeah. in that room, right? Yeah, handshakes can can be people passing things it can be aggression it can all that stuff so it's always like the back of the hand was how we did it yeah and like even then we had to kind of look around like is anyone looking all right touch the back your hand you're the back of your hand touches the back of mine so we know we're not passing anything to each other but like this that that act of like shaking someone's hand in prison uh is a big deal it really is and that's amazing good for you yeah thanks man dude oh it's just so good to have um i Well, let me make let me make some dick jokes to get out of here. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Um, it was uh, Kevin Ambrosio. It was so great. Um, I'd love to have you back. We'll Thanks, come back on and, and and hang out. Is there anything you want to plug? Anything you want to talk about? Uh, I. It's funny. I am currently. I'm in a radio play version of A Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. What's the radio play? I mean, Miracle on 43rd. Allow me to rephrase. Uh, for, for whom are you doing this radio play? Um, artistic Home. Oh, okay. It runs two more weekends there. I think theartistichome.org. Um, if anybody wants to continue a conversation about uh, meditation or anything I've talked about, uh, you can reach me at my website, kevinambrosio.com. And there it was. See, that's what and we're looking for. And all of our social media at, at KDA Speaker. Dot com. KDA at uh, no a, at KDA speaker. Sorry, at KDA speaker at KDA speaker. <laughs> KDA not KDA speaker dot com at KDA speaker. Yeah. Kevin Ambrosio uh, thanks dot Jay, com man. and uh, Kevin man it was such a blast seriously uh, hanging same. out with you. I'm same. gonna uh, let's play a little rock and roll to get out of here, and I'm gonna shake yeah. your hand. See, because I'm bringing it all the way around. Perfect. Uh, Thanks, man. And everybody else, of course, has, you've been listening Thank to Bust you so Mouth much. on Q4 Radio, QUE4.org, uh, JWBacillo.com. Go to the shows. i got you know four or five shows coming up that I've talked about earlier in the, in the whatever. Come out, say, see me, say hello, send an email, uh, like us on Facebook, do all the things you're going to do, and I uh, hope you're doing well. Maybe take a minute and meditate for yourself. I can't believe we've done this today. Yes! But we've done this today. Um, <laughs> I hope you're doing well. I'm doing uh, well. We'll see you all next week. Looking forward to seeing
Like what? 